Hey everybody and welcome into the Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier podcast for the Guns Up Nation podcast network, featuring Tortillas and Tate, Talking Tech, and of course the Ramblin' Raiders. We got a good show to y'all today, for y'all today, we got Grant Little and Nico Sanchez. Nico is of course the beat writer for Texas Tech Baseball for the Daily Torador and Guns Up Nation. And Grant Little played outfield for Texas Tech in 2017 and 18, had a lot of success in the postseason, so we want to get both of them on today, kind of see where we stand and what Texas Tech needs to do to succeed in this postseason. Some other news I'm going to break down for y'all before we get into these de- these guests. Avery Benson has announced he's entering the transfer portal. That does not mean he's gone yet, of course. But I do think this was a smart decision for Avery basketball-wise. I mean, he completed his degree. He probably wasn't going to get any meaningful minutes here. I mean, I can almost assure you that he was not going to get any meaningful minutes this season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's a great choice for him to go find somewhere where he can get some minutes and play some games. I mean, he got his degree. Otherwise, also, we got we lost Mac to the draft. He's, that is official now. Some other news that has been kind of swirling around, or I guess more rumors than news, is that EJ Onu has signed with a NCAA-approved agent. I think they call them advisors, from what Zach Schumann of Guns Up Nation said. Um, basically, what that means is he can still return to college basketball if he would like, even though he did sign with an agent. And there's been a lot of rumors that he's been talking a lot with Texas Tech and that could be a place that he lands more than likely if he decides to stay and I've also heard that Terrence Shannon Jr. has been in close contact with Texas Tech now this does not mean that either of them are by any means leaning towards coming back to Texas Tech this is just what the information I've been told and I want to spread that on to y'all um I would say there's a low chance that either one of them return but if they do choose to return I'd obviously think Texas Tech would be the number one choice for both of those guys. Since our last podcast, we've actually made some additions to the roster still with Sadar Calhoun, a 6'6 guard coming from Florida State. Now, there's a lot of excitement around him. He didn't get a whole lot of minutes last year, but he is an extremely athletic talent and a fun guy to watch. Also, we added a center finally, a big man. I believe he's seven foot one. Daniel Bacho from France. He was originally committed to Arizona or Arizona State. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it was Arizona before choosing to come to Texas Tech. That'll be huge for us. He could be a starter. We're not quite sure where he's at yet because he has not played college basketball. So we'll probably get some more information on that once camps start opening up and players start training a little bit more. And that's about all the news basketball-wise. Baseball, we played a three-game series against Kansas. We dropped the opener before a 6-0 victory in the finale and a 13-14-2 victory in the second game. Bottom line, I think with those two strong victories at the end, we're going to stay in the top eight and stay in line for a national seed. We'll obviously see those Monday morning. Um, this podcast will be posted Monday night, so by the time this comes out, we'll know where we rank nationally. Anyways, I know y'all are tired of hearing me talk, so let's get into our guest for today. Joining us now is Daily Toro writer and Texas Tech baseball beat writer, Nico Sanchez. Nico, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we got a exciting stuff for Tech Baseball ahead. Uh, we just finished up a series against Kansas. Wasn't great, and we took two out of three. Would have loved to have all three. With that being said, where where do we stand right now as a national seed, and what do we need to happen to get there? Uh, look, I, I feel really good about uh, about this uh, the seeding going forward. Did yeah, it would have been nice to have uh, played a little bit better, or at least a little bit more consistently against Kansas, but. 
that being said, a lot came out of that series that I feel good with. I feel like our bats are hot, hotter than ever. I feel like our guys are confident. I feel like that TCU loss yesterday really helped us out. Uh, never liked to see UT winning uh, the Big 12 tournament, but or the Big 12 conference, rather. But, uh, you know, you take what you can get. Yeah, and from what I understand, we'll have Baylor Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. to start off the Big 12 tournament in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, yeah, and um, but we did lose a series against Baylor, if, uh, mm-hmm. if you remember, uh, about a month ago. Um, at home, at home we got beat by Baylor. But, um, again, j- I feel like we're hot. I feel like this team is hot right now. I feel like we're confident our guys exude that, and I think that they're going to be able to uh, shake it off and kind of look at Wednesday as a new new day, new challenge. Yeah, except for that one little losing streak we had, we had in the beginning of the season, I've noticed when we lose, our bats get mad. Our bats get angry oh, when we lose. It, it seems like absolutely. the rest of the series after we've lost, they explode. I mean, what, we scored, what was it, 15 or 16 to 2 on yeah, the second uh, game of the series? 13. In, 13 to against two. Kansas, you mean? Yeah, against Kansas. Yeah, thir- second game of the series, and the last game of the series was 6-0, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's something that's happened to us uh, a few times this year is we get beaten game one and then just turned around and lit it up game two. I mean, a lot of that has had to do with um, the pitching staff, and I, uh, I, I'll i get into that a little bit uh, down the road. But uh, since Micah Dallas has gotten into that number two slot, he's just been killing it. Yeah, and on, there. on that, it seemed like um, maybe around April, we kind of knew who our day one guy was going to be, our Saturday guy, our number one starter, and it was going to be Monteverde. But now with Micah playing well, and I get I get Monteverde did uh, – he didn't get credited with any earned runs against him for his last start, did he? Or was mm-hmm. that – those were all unearned? Uh, there were two, un- uh, two unearned, yes. Yeah. But who will be our number one guy? Let's say Micah gives you a good start and Patrick gives you another average start. Who's our number one guy for Omaha? Uh, if I was a betting man, I would say that Patch Monteverde is going to start yeah. game one. And that's no, that's nothing against Micah Dallas. They're both very, very talented guys. It's just, it's just close. But, and Patrick kind of already has that role established is kind of what you're getting at there. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it feels a little bit late in the season to start mm-hmm. shaking things up is the, is the thing. And, uh, Micah has been excellent, excellent, excellent lately. And Monteverde, he's had a rough second half of the year. I mean, you look at his numbers and, his first six starts of the season, it's zero earned runs, zero earned runs, zero earned runs, two earned runs, one earned run, zero earned runs. And then from there on, it's it, six, four, zero, seven, two, seven, and then zero against Kansas. But at the, at the end of the day, it's just, I, I, like I said before, you just don't want to shake things up at this point in time. And even through the, that uh, rough April-May stretch that Monteverde had, he still finished 13th in the Big 12 in ERA. Yeah, he still has six six wins, I believe, seven maybe, somewhere around there. Um, uh, six. Yeah. Uh, team high six. Or excuse, yeah, team high six. Team high. Out of the bullpen, who's our number one guy? I mean, pretty clearly gotta it's be, sublet, right? Got to be sublet. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And uh, I'm a huge Connor Queen guy. I uh, I really have a lot. I really think he's gonna play well in this playoff. I just call it a hunch, I suppose. I I just really like what I've seen from him this year through the ups and the downs. And uh, you also got to like Chase Hampton after that last yeah, that um, was... start against Kansas. You got to feel good about his abilities. I mean, he was shutting him down yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot of strikeouts early. A lot of strikeouts early. Almost looked Two like hits. that DeGrom start against the Mets minor league team. I don't know if y'all saw that. 
That was, I did see that, yes. That was fantastic. Palm Beach Cardinals on Twitter. Go go look them up. They had to face Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard on back-to-back injury starts. And this is, a, this is an A-ball team, so they got a plethora of guys who were born after the year 2000 facing a guy who throws 102 every pitch. It, I mean, their, their Twitter was good sports about it. They were like, thank God he's leaving. We don't want to have to face him again. Well, uh, they know that's not normal. It's not like Garrett yeah, Cole's going to oh, be yeah. there on Wednesday. No, it's – <laughs> um, yeah, where does but, uh, our pitching staff um, compare nationally to other teams around the country outside of the Big 12 maybe um, well the, the thing you have to understand about Texas Tech is I, I've heard this a million times and there's a lot of truth to it which is Texas Tech can only go as far as their offense will take them and I understand the argument but what's also that or that thought process but what we're no slouches we've got plenty of talent in this in this staff do we have a Kevin Copps or a Ty Madden? No, we, we don't. But Dallas, the, the three guys that I have uh, marked right here on my notes are Dallas, Monteverde, and uh, Montgomery. Those are the three guys who finished top 20 in the conference in ERA. And those are the three guys who pitched 50 or more innings this year for Texas Tech, with um, Monteverde actually being over 70. And so the, those three guys are the three guys I'm looking at the most. Those are the three guys that I have the most confidence in, and I feel like they can really, really be the difference for us in a playoff series. Yeah, Monterey has been a nice surprise with those injuries we had early. I mean, it, it's hard to think we'd be anywhere outside of the top three without those pitching injuries early. Yeah, um, and it's you, you can't help but think uh, what this team would look like if Micah Dallas was still of the ability to come out of the bullpen, if we still had – or if Dobbins and um, Birdsell hadn't gone down when they yeah. did, what what we could look like. And, um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but that's that's sports. You know, people go down. That's nature of the beast. But I uh, I actually, when I, when I look at uh, – I made a note of this to mention this. Um, Patrick Monteverde, uh, redshirt senior from uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, you always see them waving the towels at the games. Love to see that. He's the guy, I wrote this down, he's the guy I want to see succeed the most in the playoffs. It's just his demeanor, the way he can, the way he can't control the game, his, I can't help but feel like his ceiling is just a little bit higher than the other two guys I mentioned before, Montgomery and Dallas. Just the way he carries himself around and the, all those injury-plagued years he had at Seton Hall after coming from D3 as a freshman, I just, I, you can't help but want to see him succeed. Who on this team's offense is most important to our our success in like who, who May and June? Yes, who who is who is most not who's going to hit the most home runs, most RBI or most hits, but who's going to produce the most for us and come up the biggest for us this postseason? It's it's funny you say that because I feel like you want me to not say Jace Young. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, 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 no. I, I I realize now after that like, kind of stating that question, saying it doesn't have to be the guy who hits well, the most home runs. It, it most definitely can be Jace Young. I'm I'm just curious who you think it is. I'm just don't want to seclude um, it to one guy. Look, it's it's hard when you I, either any way you want to slice it with the numbers based on what you see. It's hard to not say Jace Young when we're talking about any kind of offensive category. It's it's just the truth. I mean. This is a guy who got on base this year. At Every single game. Every, Every single, single game, game he reached base, base. Yep. That is a That's a Carlos Silva tweet I saw. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they were mentioning that on runs. the radio broadcast last night as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, you, it's hard not to compare him to his brother, Josh. Yeah. 
he hit more home runs this season than Josh did in any of his three years at Texas Tech. And Josh was playing 60 games a year. Jace played 45. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to say Jace when you're talking about the offense. But that being said, I also could totally see a world in which Cal Conley just gets hot or Braxton Fulford just starts hitting dingers at in the seventh inning on. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many, there's so much about this lineup to like everybody in this lineup. I feel like is a threat to go deep. Everybody in this lineup, I genuinely believe can get on base. I mean, as a team, as a team, they batted 282 and they got on base at uh, 406 as a team. I think I, I had one thing for you here. It was just on the top of my head. What was that? Um, oh, so I've grant a little on the other day, and I was going to ask him. We, we've seen all season these diving catches almost on a gamely basis oh, in the outfield. Oh, yeah, they're, they love um, it. Yeah. Grant Little, of course, former TTU outfielder, played in 2017 and 18. I'm going to kind of see if I can figure out what are they doing to make training for these catches in practice or what? Do they have a mat out there they're diving on? Because it seems like we're doing this more consistently every year with different well, outfielders every year as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just instinct. I mean, and that's, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify God-given ability, but it, it really feels like that. I, there was a game, I don't recall specifically which game it was. It was game, it, it was game one of the, our Houston series. I, uh, I want to say it was Texas State. It was the game. And in the first inning, I, I was at this game. I was in Houston. I was sitting in the Crawford boxes in left field. And somebody hits a pop fly up in the left field. And I'm just like, immediately off the bat, I'm thinking, oh, foul. It's out of play. And it hits the roof, as it does sometimes at Midway Park. I don't know if you've been. Hits the roof. And I'm just like, oh, well, now we get to play this game of is he out? Or is that an, immediately a foul ball or whatever? And out of nowhere, Drew Baker comes flying in and makes the catch and I I like I, I stopped and I turned to the guy next to me I was like did he really just make that catch I mean you and and that's and what I mean by this is you can't prepare for some yeah, of these things it's, it's, it's just, just so strange it's, that it's so common amongst all of our outfielders across multiple seasons of Tadlock coaching that we everybody mm-hmm. is making these phenomenal catches yeah and it's and it's a detriment to the resilience of this team I mean um uh, Noisy goes down. Carter gets back in, playing great in center field. Uh, Kerr Wilson goes down. Issa Morell's playing every day in right field and doing the same things. I, it's 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 insane how how well they've played continuously as the years gone along. I just kind of two guys I have in mind for this. Who's underperformed for you this year for Texas Tech? Oh, um. And on, on the offense or just in general? In general. Just anybody on the team. Um, I was really hoping to see better from Andrew Devine. He would be the first guy that comes to mind that uh, uh, really struggled this year, who I felt like could have really made a difference. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll have some great postseason appearances and I'll be eating my words. But, I mean, he a lot of times this year, he, it just looked like he couldn't get out of the inning. And uh, it, it was it was tough. He's the first guy that comes to mind. But um, a, a lot of relievers struggled at times. And I, I you know, Levi Wells struggled a lot. Uh, Chase Webster struggled. But what's also true is that they also had innings where they looked immaculate. 
and it was like, oh, this guy, can't wait to see him again. Yeah, and I, I think it, – it, it felt like that for a lot of the pitching staff for that matter. You know, all these freshman guys, a lot of guys who never played for Tech before, that, include, that includes Monteverde, who had never played in the Big 12. So it's, uh, it does feel a little bit harder to judge these guys, at least in the rotation, this particular year, given the circumstances. Yeah, I think for me it has to be Rombeck. He started off kind of hot. I know first home game he hit a home run. I, I was there. I was heckling the mm. opposing pitcher that he was about to hit a home run, and he did. Um, oh, I, I wrote a piece. Uh, the, the second worst thing I've written for the DT was I wrote a piece <laughs> about how um, I thought Nate Rombeck was the guy. Uh, well, not yeah. that he was the guy, but him, him noisy, and I think it was him noisy and Conley, I said, we're going to be the three guys, the three names to watch. And um, noisy got hurt, to be fair. And Conley played well. I'll take that. And then um, – Rombach just kind of fell off. And a lot of that has to do, for the record, with Stillwell. Um, I don't want to say coming up out of nowhere because everybody, most of the people that follow this team knew, knew who he was before. But yeah, he started really, really excelling in the second half this year. And Nate's kind of picked up the bat a little bit here this last series. He got quite a big opportunity. Three RBIs yeah. on Sunday against Kansas. And it'd be nice if he could heat up towards the postseason, but I honestly don't expect him to get a whole lot of playing time unless we have an injury somewhere at first base or catcher. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. It's um, it was weird though, and and that's part part of that is just how deep this lineup is. I mean, Romback goes out. I remember when he first started um to get subbed in for Stillwell often. I remember just thinking to myself, like, I haven't seen Romback in a while. Like, uh, what, what's what's going on there? And it, I, I had this thought in the first inning, and by the fifth inning, I'm thinking about, oh, my God, we have eight runs already. I mean, it's just – there's just so many guys on this team that produce. It's hard to – it's it's really hard to get hung up on it. It's only at the end of the year when you're looking at the numbers and you're like, wow, Nate Rombach only batted 200 this year. Yeah, like one Bit of a slump. Yeah. Uh, right here it says two. I got – um baseball baseball reference numbers right here and it says 200 which you know he, he had that he had a really good series this past weekend against Kansas and then getting on to Kurt Wilson do you expect to see him on the mound or in the field uh more I know we got him on the mound a little bit towards the end of the season once or twice I would expect to see him in the mound a little bit more which would have sounded ridiculous in March when he was playing almost every day in right or at third base but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this outfield has kind of, excuse me, kind of solidified itself. I mean, it's hard to look at Morrell right now and the way he's been playing and say, okay, yeah, get him, get Kerr Wilson in there. It's just, it's hard to say that. And part of that is how versatile Kerr Wilson can be. I mean, he reminds me of Marwin Gonzalez on the 2017-18 Astros. I mean, the guy plug and play anywhere. And that includes relief pitcher. And if that's where he's best used, if, Coach Tadlock feels like he can get a good inning or a good couple of outs from Kerr Wilson. Absolutely, he's going to go there. So my biggest thing this year for the postseason, for us to be successful, I think we have to control our walks, and that's that's not on offense. That that's on. I mean, that that is on offense and defense. Um, this team, this year, this team on offense. I mean, we we had to have led the nation in walks, did we not? I mean, we, we were uh, multiple guys we did. I don't believe we led the nation in walks, but we were up there. I mean, when you have a guy like Jace Young walking 45 times, or 46, I believe, was the actual number, 
it's hard, hard not to be on the list. But uh, we, we're up there. We're up there. And uh, again, that's just, that's just getting on base. And that's, that's another reason why I have so much faith in this lineup. It's like our, our guys are really good at seeing their pitches. And I don't know that there's a player on this in this. I don't know that there's a player in our starting lineup that has an on-base percentage below 350 off the top of my head. I'd have, I mean, I've got the numbers here, but, you know, they're, they're small. I have, I'd have to look deep. I think the only one who has one uh, still over 300 but below 350 would be Dylan Carter, who's eighth, ninth. But, I, I mean, some of the numbers I just think are insane. I mean, Jace Young has 175 oh, at bat, so maybe – Any way you look at Jace Young's numbers, they're going to look <laughs> freaky. And well, Kyle Conley's are pretty, are pretty freaky. Of, Kyle I, Conley, Drew Baker, and Jace Young, it's – Looking at their numbers is insane. For Easton Morrell, for example, he, he's a good example too, along with Jace. He had, what, let's see, makes somewhere around 160 at-bats or plate appearances total, um, 33 walks. Jace Young, 50 walks and probably under 230 plate appearances. I mean, that is insane mm-hmm. numbers. And we had even, yeah. even Rombach had I mean, a 20-walk number, and he, he had less than 100 at-bats and 20 Yeah, walks. I mean – I'm I'm looking at a couple of these guys on the as we speak. I'm looking at some of these numbers and like Cole Stillwell batted 287, which for the record insane given how the year began and how uh, little he was actually seeing the field. Finished the year batting 287. His on base percentage was 437. Yeah, we have. I mean, significant jump. And uh, Easton Morrell, my guy in right field, uh, he finished the year batting 252. His on base percentage is 437. I mean. These guys are just finding ways to get on, and they they wait for Young to get up, drive him home. So, in in your opinion, right now, do you think Tech is going to host the Super Regional round? I think everybody's pretty sure. As long as we, I mean, obviously, don't get smoked by Baylor in the first round, we should be a lock for being a host. I would, bar, barring on um, barring a really really poor performance in the Big Twelve Championship, I would expect to host. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking more for the Super Regional round. I, I would say for the Regional, no, yeah, it's, it's yes, almost a lot yes. for the Super Regional as well. That one's a bit tougher, but again, he, it's hard to count tech, tech out. Yeah. Tech, excuse me. It's hard to count them out. It just, it just is. I mean, they've played so well for years now, and you always, you always give the tie to, to the guy who's been there. I mean, when it, and that goes for all sports, college, professional – you have to give the tie to the guy who's been there before. Mm-hmm. And Tech's been here years in a row now. Not all of our guys have been there before, uh, mostly in this pitching staff, but a lot of these guys, they've played here before. And I'm excited to see Conley and Young in their first uh, play- college playoff. Yeah, I think, I think Young and Monteverde are both going to thrive off the playoff energy. They both seem like the guys that are built for postseason, built for the big moments. Oh, absolutely. They might not him play and, well I, I was, around, but they're Jason Young and Drew Baker. Jason Young and Drew Baker are the two guys who I, I'm the most excited for in terms of the lineup. And oh, Young and Baker are the guys I'm most excited for, but the guys, the two dudes who I'm most, who I feel like are going to be our most reliable bats in the playoffs, Braxton Fulford, Cal Conley. And it's not an indictment on those first two guys. I think they're going to play really well too. It's hard to not assume when you're looking at the numbers. But Fulford and Conley just felt like they had – it feels like, to me, like those two guys have the clutch gene more, more so than anybody else on this team. It just feels – when I think about this team in retrospect, how this year has gone, 
the two guys who came up with the most hits when we needed a hit in the seventh inning on or in extra innings was those two guys. All right, I'll leave you with this. Where does Texas Tech finish this year? Where's our final stop? <laughs> That's tough. That's really tough. Um, I don't invite I don't you on to the easy questions. Uh, what, what, I have, <laughs> what I have for that is I would say, ask me again after the big Oh, come on. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I got to Because, look, if, if, if these guys, Dallas, Monteverde, and Montgomery, who I stand by, are the key to this playoff, if those three guys are on their game, and for the record, we've talked for the most part about Dallas and Monteverde, Montgomery had a surprisingly – not surprisingly, but – an underratedly good year. He got roughed up a couple of times, memorably, and that's why his numbers, that's why his ERA is over four still. But when this guy's on, it's 12 strikeouts against West Virginia on the road. All right. I mean, well, his, his, I, his I, best day is up there. I guess I got to go with the next best question then. All right. Where do we finish the Big 12 tournament? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a lot of faith in us in the Big 12 tournament way more than I had in the basketball team a couple of months ago. Uh, I just am terrified of Texas and Oklahoma State. I'm terrified of their, of their pitching depth. I'm, it, it scares me. At the same time, I, it, with Texas Tech, a team with this much talent, you have to be expecting to win. You just have to. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are playing the Lakers in the first round in a couple hours from now. You think they're going into that game expecting to lose or wanting to yeah. like, oh, well, if we take the Lakers to six, it'll be – no, they want to win. Yeah, they, I, they, I think the best thing for the Suns in that case – and I, I get this is a Texas Tech baseball podcast today. Best thing oh, for I'm the Suns to is to finish it as quick as they can. As yeah. Quick as they can. You don't want to give the Lakers time to mesh together after not playing <laughs> together really well. Yeah, awesome. I, mean, I mean, with Texas Tech, where do I think they'll finish? If Top three. Top three. Minimum. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I really believe that. Uh, again, when you when I look at um, Pete Hansen and Ty Madden, it's Scott Park or Parker Scott, excuse me, Parker Scott, Justin Campbell, it's it's tough. It's going to be a tough road. But at the same time, I would be disappointed if they did not have a top three finish. All right, that was. And, and for the record, uh, sorry, one last thing. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I'm worried about those, the, pitching, the pitching matchups of those two teams. That doesn't mean we can't beat them. Yeah. In fact, I think – did we beat both? We beat Texas. We, beat we, 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 won, we won Texas and the TCU series. We won both of those series. We lost series against, I think, uh, what was it, OSU and okay. uh, Baylor, of course. Yeah, but um, they're beatable. Yeah. You know, every, everyone's beatable. That, that's, that's sports. So. so what do you say we do this again in a week after they announce the uh, regionals? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, yes, that was Nico C. N oh, I'm sorry, Nico Sanchez of the Daily Tour. Tour. He's a Texas Tech beat writer. He gives all the best Texas Tech information. That's at Nico Sanchez DT on Twitter. Thanks, Nico. Thanks, man. See you later. All righty, our second guest today is former Texas Tech outfielder. He currently plays for the San Diego Padres organization, Grant Little. How are you doing today, Grant? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing well. I saw you all at a game today. You got a base knock and an RBI there. Sure. Um, they're happy to get a hit. Uh, you know, they they come. You know, they don't they don't happen every day. So yeah, bad, any day you get a hit's a good day. Yeah, batters have been having a down year this year across baseball yeah, in general. Yeah, for sure. 
So being a player that's had experience in multiple postseasons, what would you say is the biggest factor that helps in June compared to the rest of the year? Uh, well, I was fortunate enough to be able to – every postseason series we played in was, was at home. So I think, you know, being able to, you know, play those important games in front of, you know, in front of your home fans and get to go about your day like you normally would in like a home conference series, not having to be on the road, you know, do the things you're accustomed to. Um, I think that's a huge part. You know, nobody really wants to go on the road, um, you know, and play those big games like that. And, you know, that's what we work all year for, to, you know, to get a national seed so that we don't have to go on the road. So I think just being at home and, you know, it's hard to beat, you know, it's hard to beat Tech at, you know, two out of three at that place. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I'd probably say that for sure. I think our guys got a pretty good chance at locking up at least the regional this year, if not the super regional, if we do well in this uh, Big 12 tournament. Do you still keep in touch with any of the guys on the team? Oh, yeah. I'm, I train there in the off season, So, I'm, I'm pretty close with, you know, a bunch of guys. Um, yeah, I, probably. I mean, I feel like I'm on the team sometimes in the off season. honestly. I mean, I'm there – just as much as those guys are. So, you know, I've gotten to know, uh, you know, a bunch of them. That seems pretty common among basketball, too. Players just coming back to Lubbock and hanging out, helping out around the summer, uh, training for themselves as well, too. One thing on that that I wanted to mention is it seems for the past four or five years, at least since Tadlock's been here, all of our outfielders, even when you were here, I mean, you, you know it, of course, been making spectacular plays. Is that something y'all practice, or is that just Tadlock's just great at picking y'all out? Well, a bunch of us were converted or converted uh, outfielders. You know, I came in as a shortstop. Um, a bunch of our uh, Ryan Long converted in, um, outfielder. Uh, Gabe Holt was an infielder. Um, you know, I think. I mean, if you look at the guys today, um, Kurt Wilson, the outfielder, was an infielder in high school. Yeah, he's pitching just, now too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He does everything. Um, I think just. Having you know the athletic skills to you know just transition to the outfield, um, I don't know. I mean, I think just because I know a bunch of the outfielders, you know, they played different sports growing up, and I think maybe you know like football. Um, I played receiver in high school, so I think maybe um, you know those skills, you know, tracking balls down, translate. You know, yeah. might they might translate? I'm, I don't know for a fact, but I mean that's that's. I mean, that's a good reason you know, yeah, I, mean, I can think of. I think Patrick Mahomes mentioned that something transfers the opposite ways. When he was playing baseball, he learned to make those hard off-balance throws that he makes right. in football, playing yeah. that left side of the infield. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I, I there's something little, yeah, over there. For sure, especially playing middle infield. You have to throw with those awkward arm angles. So, I can see that for sure. When you were at Tech, who was the joker on the team? Like, who was the guy that made you all laugh all the time or kind of um, lightened up the locker room at least? Um, let me think for a second. Hmm. Man, that's a good question. I mean, there was a bunch of us. There was a bunch of guys. Cody Masters, I always thought he was – I mean, he's still there, but – Yeah. Um, he's always – get a good laugh out of him. Um, who else? I mean, it was more we were just funny, like, together – I mean, there really wasn't one guy that was just – Cody Farhat was funny. He was he was always messing with people. 
Yeah, I heard um, a story a while back about uh, Saban joking with his players, and I was like, that's never a guy you really expected to joke around a lot with right. his players. And is Tadlock kind of like that too? Or uh, he'll if he's in a good mood, he'll he'll crack some jokes, but for the most part, the joking comes from Gardner, Gardner and J Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tad's in a good mood, you know, for playing well. Um, he'd crack a couple jokes, but I mean, you leave that to J Bob and Gardner. So you've been keeping up a lot with the uh, recent games, or do you just come over during the off season? Uh, no, I I try to keep track as much as possible, but with my schedule right now, it's oh yeah, I understand. Uh, I don't I don't really get, I don't really get every day. Yeah, yeah, I don't really get to watch games, but. I check the box score, you know, a lot, you know. Who are you most excited for coming into the postseason out of this team? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm really close with a bunch of those guys, so I mean, I can't. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't want to. Right, know, I understand that. But yeah, so you know, I became real close with uh, Conley, uh, Drew Baker, you know. The fellow number four. So <laughs> I came close to those two. Um, Max Marshock. I mean, I, I don't want to leave out anybody. Cole yeah, of, of, of course. Yeah. yeah. Those I, are just I, guys I, off I, the top of my head. Yeah. That, you know, those guys, they're good guys. I like them a lot. Um, yeah. Connolly and Stillwell are both, are both hitting over a thousand OPS this year. They're, they're yeah. crushing it, man. Yeah, they are. They're, they can play, man. They can play for sure. So what was your best overall, like, memory of the crowd at Texas Tech? Maybe if there was a chant or just – interactions or an amazing moment that you had? I think my favorite personal moment was my freshman year. We were playing TCU at home, and, uh, you know, we were the two best teams in the conference that year. And um, we we had to play a doubleheader on Sunday because Saturday got rained out. And TCU beat us game one. And – you know, they were beating us in game two when the when the delay happened. And we came back and won uh, game two. And then we played the game three right after. And I think we ended up winning, I think it was 21 to three. And I just remember from start to finish, the whole both those games, I mean, you'd have thought that every run we scored was, you know, taking the lead in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, every single run, 21 runs, it was – I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was it was mayhem for. I mean, we only played seven innings because we run rolled them, but I mean, every single run was just like, you know, they they got louder and louder after every single one. I don't know if you saw it this year, but I was so Texas Tech had back to back to back home runs, solo home runs to right. win the game, mm-hmm. and we actually did it twice, but the other one was just a middle inning. Um, I was walking back from, I believe it was Holden Hall towards the parking lot because I had class. And I checked the game score before I left. Of course, I was watching it in class. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, we're down by three, man. I was going to go over there, catch the end of the game if it was still on, whatever. I'm walking back, and I hear cheering. I'm like, oh, cool, we got to run. Look at my run, solo home run, or whatever. Keep walking. We're still down by one. Here, the crowd go again. I'm like, oh, did we hit another one? And then I'd go walk over towards the baseball stand, sit there and watching, and we hit a third one. And I'm like, man, the crowd is freaking loud for being at yeah. roughly 50% there. Especially now that they sell beer there, they they can oh, yeah. you know, they get start acting rowdy, heckling like never before. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like never, never before. I mean, we're always right. loud, but yeah, 
get a couple of drinks in them and they'll say anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it's been football and baseball. Right. Or yeah. basketball. I mean, as well, um, you were the first runner to ever get a three hit game in the college world series. And you were kind of in that first group to consistently go, um, I'm sorry, you're kind of you kind of cut out right oh, there. Oh, am I? All right. Um, you you were the first guy to ever hit get a three hit effort for Texas Tech in College World Series. Hello. Can you hear me? One second, man. Let me see if I can figure this out. I'm sorry. You. Yeah. You're still I, there. I, no, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Perfect. You were the first guy to ever get a three hit effort for Texas Tech in the College World Series. What was the difference for you? Um, in the college world series and in the regional round kind of just, just the difference between the, maybe the level of competition or maybe that y'all weren't the um, top ranked dog there. Like, is there a different mindset you have between the regional and the college world series? Oh, I think, well, we're playing, we're playing Florida that, that first game mm-hmm. and, you know, they got the best pitcher in the country on there on Brady Singer. And, you know, it's just like, we have, I've, the way I looked at it is like we have nothing to lose. I mean, they got the best the best arm in the country throwing tonight. They're the best team in the country. You know, they're the number one overall seed. It's prime time, seven thirty night game, first uh, opening night. And so now there was like nothing to be afraid of because like you know they're supposed to beat us, and this guy's supposed to dominate. So like, what's what's there to be scared of? And so I think I think all of us you know took that mentality, and you know we ended up you know we roughed them up a little bit. I mean. Obviously, a team can have an eye. I mean, he's—I yeah. don't know Brady or anything like that, but you know, he's obviously just an unbelievable talent. You know, he's in the show right now. You know, with the Royals. Um, but I think that you know, just you know, us being from you know Lubbock, Texas, and you know, this sort of like this sort of like dirt bag mentality, just like never give up type, you know, mentality that we have. We had it, you know, as a whole. You know, it was sort of like. Yeah, it was like I was like the bad boy Pistons kind of, you know. That's yeah, what I, of course. That's like kind of like the way we looked at it. You know, we we're not supposed to be there. You know, we're we're not like like you know like the Flash. You're, you're not know. Royals. You're you're not right. You're, right. You, you're not the uh, Louisville of baseball or the uh, right. Yeah. At least not at this at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, not, we're not making yet, that. Not, yeah. We're we're getting we're making. Yeah. We're 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 starting to become you know one of those blue chip you know college baseball you know, programs. But I think that was, that was like probably the beginning is when people started to, you know, you know, Texas Tech is going to be here for a long time. You mentioned that being in the lights, primetime, 730. I go to look at our uh, play, our postseason game in the Big 12 tournament. First game, 9 a.m. Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, we never, we never played good in the Big 12 tournament either. Both my years, both times that we got to go, uh, I think the first year, my first year, we, I think we, we only played three games. We went one and two, and then I think I'm not. I'm not. Sh- no, we played three games both years. Yeah, we went one and two both years. Yeah, I think which, I think if we could end up getting at least two wins this year, that'd be huge for us getting a super regional. Yeah, especially. Yeah, if we're on the the bubble of, you know, hosting a you know super. Yeah, we're we're definitely getting a regional. I mean, I don't see anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get absolutely yeah. blown out the first two games of the. Nah, I think I think regardless, <laughs> yeah. regardless, they'll. They'll be, they'll yeah, Lubbock's one of the last 20 spots available. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. they don't have a, a very big range there. Yeah. What time of the year is y'all season in Dallas, um, Fort Wayne? Uh, 
I think I think it goes through all the way through October. Okay. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes. Y'all are uh, high A. Yeah, we're in high A. Yeah. So you won't able you won't be able to make any of the uh, Texas Tech games coming up. Um, no. Unfortunately, I won't unless my in the All Star break in 2019 was at the same time as uh, the College World Series. So me and Jose Cazada, uh, we were in low A at the time, which is just it was in Fort Wayne. And so we got to drive uh, from Fort Wayne to Omaha and watch, watch us play against Arkansas. Uh, that was fun. You know, I'm glad I got to experience it as a fan, but uh, it was a long drive. It was like 11 hours. So you mentioned that you go back to tech often and train during the off season. Did a lot of players come back and train whenever you were there? And did that have an effect on y'all? Uh, there was there was a small group, but I think I mean there was like Ryan Mosley, Stephen Smith, uh, Eric Gutierrez, um, Nezloni. You know, he came back, um, but I mean now we had a group of like. We had a group of like eight or nine of us, like Caleb Killian uh, would come back. Gabe would come back. Gabe Holt would come back. Uh, myself would come back. Klein. We, I mean, we had, a, we had a huge group of uh, pitchers and position players. So, you know, we got to, you know, during the, the minor league shutdown, we got to see, you know, see a bunch of arms and, you know, get some live at bats, which is good. You know, it's so, I mean, I got probably 75 at bats, you know, which is better than nothing. Yeah. But, you know, we called it beer league just because, <laughs> you know, there yeah, was no baseball going on, so we just called it beer league. And, uh, yeah, we, we had fun. It was it was fun. And it was a good group of guys. I'll kind of leave you with this. If you had to give one piece of advice, whether it be mental, anything um, technique-wise, anything to this Texas Tech team for the postseason, what would you, do, what would you say to them? I would say – I mean, for sure it would be, you know, you never know when, you know, like just enjoy what's going on right now in their careers. Like college baseball is just so special. Um, there's nothing really like it um, unless you make it to the – you're playing, you know, October baseball in the big leagues. I mean, there's just nothing like it. So I'd say, you know, enjoy this time because you never know when you're going to be able to, you know, play baseball – uh, you know, with um, that has you know, that that type of meaning and that type of importance. Um, you know, playing in Omaha and playing in the postseason. You know, that that, that was probably the best uh, best times of my playing career. You know, and then, you know, it was just they were fun to look back on. But I, you know, I miss it. I miss you know playing in front of you know all those fans and you know going to Omaha and all that. So yeah, I I just say just enjoy. Be where your feet are and just enjoy, you know, what they're going through right now. I mean, I just want to say thank you for making time. I know you got a packed minor league schedule. I mean, these yeah. guys are here playing almost every day for months. Right. They're, yeah, they're, they're we had our early game today, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, I would like to thank Grant Little and Nico Sanchez for coming on today. They helped out a lot. Coming up this week, Wednesday at 9 a.m., we have our first-round matchup against the Baylor Bears for the Big 12 Tournament in Baseball. If we win there, I believe we'll be playing again Thursday, obviously. Don't know who we'll be playing yet. Once this Big 12 tournament's over and they announce the regionals, we'll get y'all another podcast, kind of update y'all where we stand, what our bracket looks like, and what is our way out of that bracket getting to the College World Series or getting to the Super Regional. 
So that expect that to be coming sometime midweek, next week, probably the day or two after the regionals are announced. We'll get something out for you all. But other than that, this is a great show. Be sure to follow all of our podcast network members, uh, Guns, uh, Guns Up Nation podcast, Ortiz and Takes, Talking Tech, and of course the Ramblin' Raiders. I'll see you all next Thursday, hopefully.